and welcome to the DM's Book Club, a podcast where we read about some Dungeons and Dragons and discuss how we might include it in our role-playing campaigns. This is part two of our two-part special on how to create your sort of first session, your your different bits and pieces. If you really want to get into Dungeon uh, Dungeons and Dragons, I'm sure you're already into it, but if you want to create your own session, your own stuff, this is the place to start. So make sure you check the first episode where we talk about how to create your own sort of level one town, your starting town for your adventurers. But I've completely forgot where I'm going with this, but my name's Fiona. <laughs> Hello, Fiona. Hello, Fiona. I'm just going to introduce myself. Hello. Yes, do it. <laughs> I'm here. I'm Ryan. I need no introduction, apparently. How yeah. is everybody doing? How are you doing, Fiona? You I'm doing right? well. It's it's instantly, as soon as it's like, oh, it's a two-parter, everything goes to shit because we've never done one before. I know, so I know, it's I'm like sorry. All structure is out the window, but I am I'm good, thank down you. down the rules. Oh, no, no, it's all about rules. <laughs> Hey, you got your creative brain on because you're going to need this. Um, yes, yes. I've had extra coffee. I'm like, I'm ready. I'm vibing. I'm good to go. So what are we doing today, Ryan? <laughs> well, we are taking the safety breaks off because we are approaching this from the other direction now. So last time we went small upwards where we were creating our own DMs world, uh, an adventure location that you could throw level one players in and in theory start a campaign from by going small and fleshing it out as we went along. But we are doing totally the opposite. We are going to go big and go down this time we're going to make an entire world and we're going to keep narrowing down until we get to a place where we can employ what i like to call the yes policy which is a another way of dealing with dnd and, and being a dm where you can start a campaign without actually having to specifically do any of the micro detail that you may necessarily need to sort of worry about and as a reminder if you haven't listened to part one all of this information and all of the guides you could ever want in terms of random lists and inspiration and ideas can come from every book and film you've ever watched, but also from Google and search engines all the over just like now random name generators are a fantastic example. If you need a little bit of help, shove it in Google and you can find it. But we are also using the Dungeon Master's Guide and Xanathar's Guide to everything, which I think is quite a claim. Every time I say it, it's, I don't think to it is everything. everything. <laughs> yes. I mean, hmm. yeah, well, we'll see. I'm going to throw some decisions at you. If you've listened to part one, then that's really, really good. Because what I'm going to immediately start off by saying, we are ignoring part one. This is going to be a oh. totally new world. Unless you want to throw it in. No, I mean, as I say. Throw that piece of paper away, Ryan. It's gone. It's already gone. It's in the bin. It's, it's gone. So we are starting with an entirely new world. And you are going to create this entire thing for me. And you are going to be amazed at the shite in your brain as you put it down. <laughs> But if everybody wants to do this and play along with us and, and genuinely have a go at this, I would recommend you do it because until you try it, you won't realize how good your ideas sound. And remember, mm -hmm. your ideas sound way better to other people than they do to you. You're mm -hmm. your own worst critic. Don't let it stop you. Agreed. Agreed. The so. first question for you yeah. is uh -huh. what level would you like the starting players to be? Ooh. This is not necessarily going to be a level one campaign. I'm going to give you three options. You can have Heroes of the Realm, where the players have reached some point between level five and 10. They are reasonably accomplished, locally famous, and can start dealing with issues on a citywide basis. It can be Masters of the Realm, which is level 11 to 16, where they have reached sort of national fame and are now dealing with issues that may deal with kingdom-wide threats and threats to entire countries. Um, they are very accomplished and have magical items galore. Or they can be Masters of the World, 
where level 17 to 20, they have reached superheroic capability and are now dealing with threats on a multiplanar level. What I would say is that all three you are capable of. It's just a mindset change, and, and we're going to be dealing with this slightly differently. And it's more of a case of realigning how you look at things in terms of the yes policy coming more into play. So mm-hmm. do you want to go for a lower level 5 to 10, or do you want to go for a mid-level 11 to 16, or a high level 17 to 20? Let's go for uh, 11 to 15. I think that's a, it's, it's, I don't, I, I really can't imagine ever running a really, really high level campaign, but 11 to 15, I think I'd be capable okay. of. So I was going to Perfect. So masters of the realm. So mm-hmm. we are going to say that we're going to have four level 11 characters joining our campaign. These are going to be pretty accomplished. If they're spellcasters, they're going to have level six spells, which is pretty impressive. I think by that point, things like almost on the cost of being able to teleport but they can teleportation circle at least um i think druids can teleport at level six they can throw chain lightnings and disintegrate spells and they've got all kinds of mind control available to them the fighters can now attack three times or six times with action surges balance and any planning you've had in your campaign by this point begins to well you need to learn to improvise because players can do stuff at this level that's fairly heroic in capability so that's good what we're going to do now is we're going to go through the core assumptions of D&D and we're going to see which ones you would like to keep and which ones you'd like to change oh okay okay this is again it's sort of what world would you like to build so to start with gods oversee the world this assumes that gods are real that everybody doesn't necessarily believe in them but nobody can refute their existence and that belief in the gods can be felt sort of through the worshippers and and channeled in that way is that good for you or would you like a world where the gods don't exist or have very little forgotten influence or would you like a world where the gods almost walk the earth themselves oh gosh uh Let's go for gods have very little influence. Okay, so religion and and divine influence is almost Mm -hmm. non-existent. We have to think about that, whether you Mm -hmm. want it to be absolutely barriered, like there is something stopping it, or whether it's just custom and tradition Mm -hmm. has meant that it sort of has been forgotten. Okay. Much of the world is untamed. So this assumes that outside of cities and civilized areas, large chunks of the world are wild and full of monsters. Is that something you'd like to keep? Or would you like a world in which almost the entirety of it is untamed? So literally it is like tiny fortified settlements and nobody leaves them. Or would you like a world so heavily populated, sort of Eberron style world where large elements of it are utterly safe and more of a sort of political campaign oh let's turn it all on its head yeah i definitely want more most populated definitely more political everything mostly mapped okay mostly mapped and mostly civilized okay great yeah the world is ancient is the third assumption that at some point empires have risen and fallen and there is so much history in the world that people have forgotten it it enables the ability to come across long lost temples and ruins and dungeons but also gives you the element to sort of throw random stuff in now would you like that to be the same or would you like a world in which civilization is incredibly new and there is no history because the world has just been formed or would you like it so that history has almost been forgotten some sort of cataclysm has meant that there is so much lost history that people don't even have a sense of their own history here 
I think this one, I will stick with that. I'd stick that they have no sense of their own history, that there's been some sort of event and they've forgotten uh, their history, essentially. Yeah. Okay, so we're, we're going even more ancient than normal. We're, we're yes. saying that yeah. there's, there's almost an element of, like, forgetfulness there. Okay. Yes, yeah, yeah. Great. Conflict shapes the world's history. So we're, we're assuming that kingdoms and organizations strife and that there is sort of a cold war in some elements and political rife in others. Now, we can, again, stick with that assumption, or we can go down the other way, which is that there is almost entirety of peace. The world is politically stable, and most kingdoms are wedded and locked in political sort of truces with each other, um, violence and political, you know, it's more of a sort of a commerce or capitalist look on the world. Or we can say that maybe there is currently open war and that nations are in the actual process of fighting each other at the moment. Let's go for, um, yeah, I think conflict is interesting, but let's go for like a Cold War-esque type thing. So it's on the brink and it's like a, an arms race or a race okay, between so war could kick off at any point, but currently isn't. Yeah. But a spark mm -hmm. can set it off. Okay, fine. And exactly. we're also finally going to say the world is magical. So practitioners of magic are relatively few in number, but the evidence of their craft is everywhere. So potions and magical items exist, although not everybody has access to them. That is the, the general scope of D&D. Would you like to keep that, keep it all balanced? Or would you like to say that magic is incredibly rare? So magic users are even rarer than normal. Magic items are even harder to obtain if you want to control the use of magic in the game. Or is magic incredibly common and magic is used as almost a currency or a system of power um and that lots of people like again like a sort of eberron style setting where where magic is sort of invaded into the sort of fabric of the world mm, yeah let's go for that option that is almost like a currency it is so commonplace it will be unusual for someone who doesn't have any magic okay so, so even commoners have access a little bit to basic magic Okay, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Great. So we've got a world where the gods are suppressed or, or not really believed in as much. It's incredibly civilized, but something happened that's meant that a lot of the history has been lost. Nations are on the edge of war and magic is everywhere. So the war, if it does kick off, could be utterly terrifying. Horrific. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> exactly. So obviously we don't have many gods in this world. Would you like to keep mm -hmm. the default set of gods or would you like to have a go at that? We don't have to flesh it out, but the idea that you've got your own pantheon or religious system. Mm. So by that, I mean, there's yeah. everything from, you can have like a list of gods where everybody believes in with different sort of aspects to them, or it could just be very simple in the sense that there is a good God and a bad God, or like a flavor of good and a flavor of bad, or maybe there are, lots and lots of hundreds of different gods that each represent a different idea and that they've all been scattered so much that nobody really has a sense of which is the true god anymore and that's kind of why they were forgotten mm -hmm. or maybe they're like there just absolutely are no gods and there's just more forces of nature like what what sort of thing do you want oh i like that idea of forces of nature like it's more of a uh, yeah it's like it's a bit i'm thinking like um i don't know if you've ever read or watched american gods by neil gaiman oh yeah but the idea that there's loads of gods but there's like the god of the internet there's the god of these small things but over time they lose their power because people stop believing them and believe in other things and worship other things so i like the uh... idea that old, maybe there's loads of gods but the older ones are definitely more they're less defined now because people don't believe in them so anymore. You, but that is perfect so you've got a system where gods are only as powerful as the number of people that believe in them. And because exactly, of that, yeah. most gods are not believed in anymore. 
Or maybe exactly. there are, maybe some gods do exist, but they've taken on the forms of like magic craft and stuff exactly. that is in the world that people just don't realize are divine anymore. Anyway, you can, mm-hmm. big question marks, but yeah. that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, next question is going to be the planes. So are we going to have a situation where you want to play with your own outer planes and outer worlds, or do you want to keep the outer planes in these worlds that, that have been given to you, like Mount Celestia and the Nine Hells and the Abyss and um, all of the bands, you know, you can still add your own at later points. Um, or do you want a world where the outer planes are totally of yours to, to play with, like the god you are? <laughs> <laughs> like the god I am. Um, fuck it. Let's do that. Let's make it so it's completely like it's up to me what they are rather Perfect. than the base defense. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. <laughs> We've set the rules of the world. We know the sort of the general ideas. What we are now going to do is flesh out a little bit of of the specific area that the campaign is going to be set in by building a sort of world around it. We're going to assume, unless you want to really dive in in the deep end, but we're going to assume this is on the material plane like most campaigns are. Yes. So all of that sort of works. Um, It may not be your material plane. It may be somebody else's, but it's it's Fiona's material plane. It is all good. Um, And what we're going to do as well is we're always going to keep the yes policy in mind here it's it's very much I, I know you are a huge fan and very gifted in improv and that is the sort of sense of Stop. thought <laughs> that i want you to have Stop here it. exactly okay. it, it's all about the idea that no matter how much you plan people are going to throw things at you uh, you haven't thought about and you're going to be able to say yes but or you're going to say yes and here's how yeah and yes either you can make things up on the fly or you've created a framework for yourself that kind of gives the basics and then you make the detail as you go along so that macro okay. detail you're not worried about you're more worried about the bigger picture here okay 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 so let's have a think about the world so the world itself is it's a world as we know it on planet earth with lots of ocean and continents is it a world with lots and lots of land mass so almost entirely landlocked and no sea is it a world with lots and lots of sea and not much land mass have you got any thought i mean as i say the continents don't have to be identical to earth so they could just be earth you could have a different version of earth if you wanted Mm. to Mm. um what sort of world do you want i think in my head I just want to see, I think just completely opposite to zero. So I just want to see a lot of land. I just want a lot of land, very little, like there's no sea perhaps. It's just big lakes here, there and everywhere. But that's it. Okay. So a lakes sort of environment rather yeah. than a sea. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Now, is that because it's always been like that? Or was there once a sea and something happened to it? Mm-hmm. Again, you don't need to make fixed answers. You can always change this sort of thing, but just yeah. giving you like things to think about. Think about. Um, let's say it's always been like that. It's always always been, been like that. Yeah. Okay, good. It's deliberate. It's it's that's how things have always been. Okay, great. So we've got a mostly landlocked world. We know also that mostly it's civilized, which means that most of this world should be pretty populated. Um, Mm -hmm. So we need to have a think about kingdoms or or nations or sort of different factions in your campaign. So Mm -hmm. first of all, we're going to have a think about the nation you want to be the, the campaign to be held in or, or maybe just the, the starting place. Now, the problem with level 11 characters or anyone above a certain level uh-huh. is they tend to travel. Yeah. So there's no, you know, you can't pin them down. You're not going to be able to sort of 
make them stay in any one place, unfortunately. So you may end up having a campaign that drifts across lots of different nations, but we're going to have one that we start in. Okay. So if you have a thing, what sort of government type do you want this nation to have? So if you need a bit of a inspiration, the Dungeon Master's Guide on, on pages 18 and 19 has got some great options that go absolutely everything from an autocracy which is one where one hereditary ruler wields absolute power so like a sort of yeah like a king for instance or or like a royal line where they have absolute power a democracy where the citizens vote for the leaders you can have feudalism where the land is divided up into chunks and knights and lords each have a chunk and they serve a bigger chunk and you know like a, a medieval british sort of system you can have anything from that all the way through to i mean some of the options here are are pretty cool um a majocracy so people who are more powerful with magic govern and the, the people at the top of the magic tree are the ones that wield the power mm-hmm. um i mean what sort of my nation would you like it makes sense with magic being so such commonplace but there would be the highest ranking spellcasters would be the ones with the most power so a majocracy okay so we're going to start with a majocracy yeah. so this nation is based on a majocracy where the more powerful with magic you are, the higher up you are. Okay, how brutal is this regime? Is it? Is there a, a system of regulated combat or promotion where you can prove your, your ability mm. with exams or with some sort of trial? Or is this a case where with sabotage or outright violence you can force your way to the top using your your skill of of power i'm thinking more of as i say like a stable environment or more of a sort of um red priests of and i can't remember the name of the nation but there's a very traditional D sense where it's all about being very backstabby and, and it's a really horrible aggressive world okay mm, let's go for i love the idea Oh, um, Jacob talked about this recently, like uh, he's running a campaign where it's like acquisitions incorporated, but everything is just full of paperwork. Uh, so if you're doing a spell, you so, you get a magic item, it says, oh, you need to fill out all these paperwork in triplicate before you can cast a spell. So I just love the idea that it's just full of paperwork. So it, it's tests and applications and to get into okay. the government and then build okay, it up Okay, so there. this is yeah. a heavily regulated mediocracy with rules and order okay so i would say this is probably a lawful society on the lawful to chaotic sort of aspect of this Mm -hmm. yeah okay that's really really cool and have a think about the people right at the top so this mediocracy is there a governing panel of people like a a sort of mage circle of people that get Mm. together or is there one person at the top i'm thinking of previous sessions we've had where you think about like the gith who ruled over by a lich who's made their way to the top because they're super powerful. Maybe there's a genie at the top or a devil, a high-ranking, like because devils are, are incredibly lawful in the way they, they have rules and things. Mm-hmm. Or is it mortals and there's like lots of them? What, what sort of power would you like? Or would you like the power at the top to be hidden and mysterious? Mm, that's interesting. I think, I like the idea that there is like some sort of, it basically... <laughs> basically like a, a pm's cabinet so there is one leader but they have a whole cabinet which they've chosen uh, through various protocols and uh, stuff and then they meet have meet regular so meetings there is a and leader stuff. and they choose the council that run the country for them wonderful yes, exactly that's that. brilliant that's you could work <laughs> with that because the leader is the leader known or are they secret oh, i think they're known a hundred percent and known. are they mortal or are they something weirder or do they appear mortal? Yeah, appear mortal, but there's something, something else wrong about with them. them. Yeah. yeah, like uh, maybe. Yeah, let's do that. Demonic, yeah, <laughs> mind flayer, undead. What sort of? What oh sort God. of? Who? Who is? Um. Who? Who rules? Ooh. 
I'd love the idea that it's one of those uh, mind flayer alhoons, you know, that sort of uh, got okay. to power. Hey. Yeah. So mind flayers have actually infiltrated in. Do you think it's um, mm. mind flayers are everywhere, or do you think this one mind flayer broke away and was incredibly jealous of other mind flayers, and there are no other mind flayers of them, or, or yeah. as I say, are mind flayers prevalent? I think it's one that's broken away. Uh, and, and it's like that sort of thing has made its way up the ranks and then has just always been there. Is it managing to keep control of everyone else and, and chooses those, yeah, those closest to them. I'm just describing our own politics right now. Yeah. No, 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 but this is, this is great. This is real life is so inspiring for making parodies or extreme versions of, or, or in some cases less extreme and it's still crazy versions of, of what's happening i mean that's absolutely fine so we've got somebody we've got a mind flare at the top and there yep. are no other mind flares that they're aware of within this society but the mind flare is hidden they appear to yep. be a normal person and they pick a panel of mages that then govern for them and that is yep. regulated by test great that that is an entire basis for a nation okay. there that is amazing <laughs> So what we're going to do is we're going to have a think about three other nations that we're going to have, and we're going to give them, again, just that sort of one-sentence description, like we did before where we were coming up with other towns. We're going to have three neighboring nations, and then we're going to describe roughly what they are and then roughly what their relationship with the First Nation is, okay? What sort of other government types do you want? Do you want there to be another majocracy, a competing majocracy? Do you want them all to be majocracies, or do you want them to be different? I definitely think there should be a competing okay. one. Uh, yeah, definitely. Almost okay, so there's image. one other majocracy. Um, how is it different? Is it, is it ex what? Is it exactly the same and there was some sort of civil war and they are two sides of the same coin? Or do they fundamentally disagree on how they do things? Yeah, they fundamentally disagree on everything, but they are very similar in structure. So it, it is like that sort of thing where you criticise someone, but you realise you're criticising yourself because they're exactly like okay. you. Okay, um, great. So another majocracy. Yeah. Um, let's let's have a one word, a one sentence description of it. Um, how would you describe this majocracy to somebody? Is it chaotic and brutal? Is it even more regulated or just as regulated? Is it ruled by one person or by a panel of people? I think this time this one is just one person. That's uh, like the, the leader, essentially. Like, yeah, let's, okay. yeah, let's go for that. There's a majocracy um, yeah. that rules through absolute power of one person. Do they rule with an iron fist or is it quite um, benevolent? Probably. With, <laughs> I just want to create everything as evil now, but I'm not going to do it. I th I th I'm going to make it so it's a good person. Good person. Uh, okay, yeah. so there is one very yeah. powerful person who has taken ownership for the greater good and they are trying to do good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Wonderful. Okay, so there's your second nation. Um, we need a third. What sort of uh, thing? As I say, there are everything from democracies to dictatorships to um, monarchies to oligarchies and republics and theocracies where religion is a thing um, and people mm -hmm. worship mm -hmm. God. So what sort, of, what sort of nation do you want to create? There's one that's, uh, oh God, I've never been able to pronounce these. Is it mili militocracy, where it's just military? Okay. I think I like the idea, even though it's like magic is currency, they are trying to bring back the fine art of just fighting without uh, magic. And this, it's just brute force and brute I see. So there's one nation that are rejecting the use of magic or at least trying to become, yeah, so military might. And, Not reliant okay, on it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. So, okay, there's your third nation. That's fantastic. So there's a military-based regime where military strength uh, and, and the ability with arms is the most important thing. 
wonderful and is the entire nation ruled in a sort of military way with rank and file and officers and, and that sort of promotion sort of aspect to it yeah essentially yeah it is, it is just like a big army base and they've got all the ranks and stuff i think yeah okay brilliant there's your third nation and your fourth okay. nation what sort of things do you want? I mean, as I say, there's democracies where people vote in. You could have a, a kleptocracy, which is sort of almost like a sort of capitalistic society where it's who's got the most money is the one in charge. Like um, we've had campaigns with guilds and um, traders in charge and, and sort of there's like a voting, but it's a very specific people who get to vote um, mm. or maybe the citizens get to vote or maybe, I mean, you can throw random things and maybe there's a nation where everyone is undead. Or maybe oh everybody is immortal. Or did you mm -hmm. have a, what, what sort of fourth nation do you want? All right, so we've got loads of magic times two, and then one just fighting with no things. So I guess, oh, what's that one at the top? Meritocracy. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, but it's the most intelligent and educated people overseas society. So it's like, it's basically, it is all the admin, but without too much magic and too much it is uh, it's all about the organization of stuff I'd okay say, rather than those powers yeah. fine so we've got a fourth nation where it's the people who are the most intelligent do the work effectively yeah so there's a formal like lots of education lots of maybe organizations and guilds are really important in this place and exactly yeah perfect okay so there's your four nations um do you want to throw some names at them or do you want to keep them vague i'm going to say we can come back to names later if you want let's come back later to them let's okay see. let's see what we've got yeah great now do you want there to also be in this world some smaller city states or do you want the little sort of independent places nestled amongst or do you want it so that the bigger nations of this world have taken over and it's only large factions that get to do things Oh, yeah, some independent city-states would be cool. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. And we're going to just flesh out the idea of maybe one of them now. So yeah. a city um, that is independent. Why is it independent? What did it do earn that independence? Has it always been independent, or did it have to fight for it, or did nobody want it? Yeah, nobody wanted it. It's like in nobody between two of the meditations. Yeah, nobody wanted it. <laughs> okay, so the absolute opposite of what normally happens. No city wants this. No nation wants this city. Why? What? What is wrong with this city? Is it cursed? Is it tainted? Is it just really stupid or or poor or aggressive? Like, what? What is the the reason for this? Uh, I guess. Well, uh, your idea about the the thing that's undead. This is just a whole city state that's just full of undead, but they they want to be recognised as their own people. But in order to do that, there'll be lots of time and resources used by the nations, and they see it as not a priority, and they don't want to waste that time and resources on them when they are quite happily able to keep it. And they know that I think any of these nations actually could take that city state if they want because it's undead. But at the same time, nobody wants to do it because it might be. Um, it's the Cold War. So as yeah. soon as they take it, then war is declared because the others will see yeah. it as an aggression. So so the undead actually aren't aggressive. They're quite hospitable and, and pleasant yeah. almost. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. That's a, a city state full of undead. Brilliant. That is fantastic. Would, I mean, have the undead always been there or did people find that the dead of other nations have started getting up and walking towards the city state? Oh my goodness. Or, yeah. um, you know, do they, is there just some sort of huge burial pit below the city that seems to be sentient now i i like that idea that idea that the people's undead after i don't know a month or two they just get up and go so that, that again because we talked about like the gods here are not 
as powerful or limited so there's very little need for pomp and circumstance of like you know burying the dead per se or like uh, doing services mm. and saying that they're gone because the, the dead just rise up and they're not harmful they just they just know they have to go to this place and that's where they'll be accepted okay yeah. well that that is incredibly cool and that puts a huge spin on the world okay so the dead walk in this world it is Ugh. quite normal for is that to everybody or do you have to have a certain uh, strength of soul and character like it's only like when people get to like a certain level that they're powerful enough to come back so it's not everybody or is it literally the masses all rise because that that leads into zombie territory doesn't it i think nobody knows why it's like a 50 50 chance and it, oh. it, and like that's the thing because maybe again it's, this is the word like uh, afterlife and stuff comes but maybe there's not much of a belief in afterlife you either are just gone or you return and you don't know which is worse that sort of like you are oh. you know you're sort of ac- exiled to this place because nobody wants you around here oh that's so good right i like this well this is fantastic <laughs> okay wonderful so we've got our four nations we've got at least one city state and we've got some really good core assumptions on the world and, and how it works next question i'm going to ask you is what sort of campaign do you want to run what i would say is when you build a campaign especially from the big sort of world and going down it can be too very easy to to throw so many plot points and ideas at the table that you lose track of the sort of campaign you want to run yeah so is this going to be a hack and slash dungeon diving adventure for lots of combat Mm. would you like it to be a political adventure would you like it to say lots of talking and social interaction and characters thinking outside of the combat zone and being more clever with with social interaction Mm -hmm. would you like to show off your murder mystery-esque ability by having like a mystery-based campaign where they're trying to solve something and it's Mm. more of a sort of like hidden thing? Mm. Or would you like it to be a story-driven campaign where there is quite a fixed set of events happening and the characters need to deal with that? Some sort of cataclysm or large war or some sort of something happening that's causing the, you know, I'm thinking more of a, like for instance, high rollers, um, the first campaign, there obviously were previous events, but there was somebody who was attacking a kingdom and they needed to deal with it. Um, first campaign of critical role, obviously Vecna was rising, so they had mm-hmm. to deal with that. So that's more of a story-based campaign. What, what sort of thing do you want to do? Uh, just because it would be more of a challenge, I guess. I like the idea that the players, they are impacting everything. So, like, it's because it's like this knife edge with the Cold War. So, so I think that a politically driven campaign, which might sound a bit boring for some people because it's not hack and slash, but the idea that one wrong word or wrong could just entire nations could fight and they have an actual Ooh. impact on it rather than being caught up and swept up with the uh, story events that would be with a story driven campaign. Perfect. And as we've got to think about it as well, because they're level 11 characters. These are characters of some renown. They have a certain amount of kudos and fame within the nation that they come from. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is, are they going to be affiliated with this first nation? Are they citizens of it? Or are you going to leave that open for people to decide what, what sort of thing? Or, or do you want to leave them as total neutrals, Mighty Nine style, messing mm-hmm. around and doing what they want? I think, I've just said, I want to make it challenging, but for ease, I will make them part of the First Nation. (laughs) Okay, part of the First Nation. There is nothing wrong with that because the players can always decide they want to abandon or do something else later. That's not a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so that's wonderful. And and how are they part of the First Nation? Are they involved and important in some way? Do they have ranking 
um, office or are they known adventurers that have been conscripted mm. or do you want to leave that all open to the, to the players and you give them a set of rules that say you've got to have a certain amount of renown but what that is is up to you yeah I think I'd leave it up to them because again it I think with that first nation the way we've set it up it means that they're allowed to be spellcasters as as they want but they yeah. know that obviously the higher the spellcasters the more important they are so whether or not it's like an embassy like a uh, scouting mission or something like that I'm taking it to another nation that could be up to them if they want to do that yeah perfect and do you want to set any rules for the players in terms of the classes that they pick do you want to insist that everybody picks a spell casting class or do you want to let people choose but with the understanding that if you pick a barbarian then you are definitely seen as weird because you don't have a magical ability do you want to force an extra feat upon people so everybody has like an ability to cast a cantrip or or something like i'm thinking more of a um like a dragon mark feat or mm. like a, a xanathar's guide magic like racial magic feats yeah. like what what do you want to set any rules or just leave it totally open no i think i think that's a good idea actually i think i'd make it so that they can play any class they want i think that's that's a key thing but yeah like have i think it's like a magic adept is the feat where they can take a cantrip or something so they do have some magical ability but if it's weaker then they are looked down upon in the society but i think i might say that races or different kinds of races like it is not beyond the races in the player's handbook just because i feel like some of the other races in like xanathars and stuff like that are great but it's like if you're not magical but then you're also a lion person that's yeah. going to detract away from the whole thing so it is the just the basic okay like, so focused players now is that because the entire civilization is like that or is it just because this particular party is more of is this a society where the other races don't exist because it is very strict on who it lets in there are immigration things or there is a fear of different races or maybe the other races are part of other kingdoms or is it more just because you want to limit party and the characters themselves there's no wrong answer here by the way no no i i think it's just because the way i see it like th there are some really cool races out there and that which would be cool to try but i think it, it's like well i'm i'm this person even like i like even tabaxi's of like i think they're cool but i think for a political drama I don't want that to get in the way of any impact and stuff it's like, oh, but you're not allowed in here because you're a tiefling or, or you're this and stuff. I'd rather just keep it basic struggle. And I think so the whole First Nation, at least, is the basic races in the uh, okay. handbook. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Right. We are we are fleshing this out nicely. OK, so we will need a name for the nation that they start in. So it is a mediocracy where one person has control but they have a, a sort of council now do you think the nation is named after the person or do you think it's named after an event or a geographical location oh um, we'll go for event we'll go for an event an event okay so maybe an event in the nation's founding mm -hmm. something that caused the nation to exist or some like some sort of cataclysm that happened before or or maybe a coronation that caused the person to become in charge what sort of event mm, okay um let's go for let's go for like a, a environmental uh, event so i'm thinking i know everyone always goes for like volcanoes and stuff but i'm just thinking like maybe um 
a flood. It's a matter of if people go volcanoes, you can go volcanoes if you want. No, volcanoes are boring and unoriginal. I'm going to go for a flood of some sort, like some sort of swell, I guess. Okay, so is it that most of this nation's land is floodable or flooded? So there's water logged across the entire nation, like everything is very muddy, rivers run very high, like water doesn't have anywhere to go, or is it just that there once was a flood? I'm, I'm thinking, um, I think you've put it as well in when we talked about Eastwind, but like like the sort of Venetian S, so that everything is above water and it allows it to rise. But at any point, if the floods go over, then it, everything is covered by oh, at least a flood of water. But I, I think like they built that. it in a way. Yeah, they built it in so, a way. So that there is, is water everywhere in a sort of weird way, but it is landlocked because they yes, built across it. That's right. Yeah, I forgot we landlocked yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no, no. You, I say you can change this. As you want there's no fixed rules here okay great so so the nation we want to kill you know something to do with that sort of uh flooding or the waterlogged maybe mm-hmm. canals in the name yes. or yeah. rivers mm-hmm. um rivers of magic canals of magic or the I mean, what sort of like imagery do you like the sound of gems or crystals or metals or colors uh let's go for let's go for a uh, crystal of some sort um crystal. Mm, think of any crystals now. <laughs> oh, I'm, gonna have to, I'm gonna have to look up any names of diamonds. <laughs> That's all right. Oh, dim- yeah, so like diamonds are a great example or like a sort of um, clouded diamonds or colored diamonds or... Oh, okay. What about, again, maybe, oh, we'll just take it straight from like Wizard of Oz, like emerald something. Um, yeah. Like, um, God, this is where any sort of what the... Yeah, that's a little bit to, to sort of get your head around. But once you've got an idea, you can always play with it. So, so emeralds, do you want to have water based in the name? Oh, okay. Actually, uh, mm, oh, don't have to. No, no, I this, is, this is a choice. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, looking at this screen. Instead of emeralds, why don't we go for so, a gate, which is that bluey sort of colour sort of um, okay. gem. Yeah. So a gate. Uh, oh, God, I'm trying to think of. Fuck it. Let's go. For, uh, let's go for a gate borough, like Edinburgh, <laughs> like gate borough. A gate borough. A yeah. gate borough. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we go. Now, is that? Do you want this to be the name of the nation or the name of the city that we're going to have the campaign based in or starting in? Uh, well, uh, we're starting in. I think. Wonderful. So, so this is the name of the city. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A Gatesborough. Okay. Wonderful. Right. There we go. So we know. Is this going to be the capital or is this going to be a major city? Uh, let's go with the capital. Let's go the, the capital. capital. Yeah. Okay, so whoever this mysterious ruler is, mm-hmm. is in this capital. Yeah. Let's um, think about the first impressions of this city. So we are assuming that this city is a capital, is massive, and the yes policy is going to come into play a lot here. Okay. There's so much going on in this city. If players ask if something's possible, the chances are it's going to be yes. It's mm-hmm. just whether or not it's behind a sort of diplomatic or, or yes. financial doors or anything. Okay. So first impressions, what's, what's the first impressions of the city? Is it the sheer vastness of the buildings super tall and packed in, or is it really spread out? Is it the canals are absolutely everywhere? And mm-hmm. so that was a bit of a smell or maybe there is no smell. The whole thing smells really fragrant and lovely because of magic. What's mm-hmm. what might players get here i mean obviously you, you can play with this because there may be multiple districts in the city but right, yeah what sort of what sort of first impression do you want to give 
because I'm just thinking of like the Wizard of Oz thing. So the Emerald City is always a very weird glass-like buildings, but it's quite they're tall, but it's always a big space for places to go. So I think the the roads or the the canal streets, as it were, are big enough for people. There's not people aren't crowded, but the buildings themselves are have almost like a glass-like quality to them. And okay, like you said, I think with the magic, everything is clean and there's no smell, there's no rubbish, there's nothing like that. It just looks pristine. I think so. It's sterile and clean. There's lots of water everywhere but the water in the canals are nice and spacious yeah and there's lots of glass and crystal and the sort of the, the look of things okay yeah wonderful is it very bright or is it a very dark city like is it um well lit or very moody and, and sort of noir oh oh gosh uh for this purpose i think oh, i like the idea that whoever's in charge this person is making it so it's like the best place to be so it, that when the sun oh. goes down everything is beautiful and glistening it's like because again like wizard of oz everyone's like got those green shaped glasses on everything everything is perfect here it's a perfect utopia yeah. there we go now that is a perfect imagery okay fantastic so what sort of um weather and geography on this place is i assume the weather is it being manipulated to be perfect all the time or oh, regulated yeah. or is it um naturally occurring Oh yeah, I think everything is yeah perfect. So it's the right temperature, the right you know, and maybe maybe they'll have a vote every month to be like, okay, we're going to have a week of gentle snow. But it's it's always aesthetic. People are never that cold and never that hot. But it's all about oh, fashion. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so the weather is agreed upon in in advance. Mm. Like, what effect is is it that there is some sort of central point from the city and people can see like a field of magic being projected around the city, controlling it, or yeah. is it just um people, nobody can actually tell where this effect is coming? from i think like yeah, do you but, want there to be yeah. like a bubble effect or do you want it to be just the ears i can't remember what the plane was called now with the one it's like the law order plane with dwarves where it's like a clock and then they have um a bit at the top which directs when it's sunny when it's not um i can't remember what it's called yeah now, arcadia i think is arcadia it? yeah, yeah. I, I think something like that and yeah so i like the idea that it's like almost like um if you think of like disneyland paris or wherever they have the the ca- castle it's just all comes out from the top of there and spreads like a, a fountain i guess over the whole amazing that okay that is awesome so this this weather tower this central district is that um the the highest most important place of the city is this where the governance and the mages of importance live or is this more of a manufacturing and and magical sort of construction area i think yeah i think because it's like the highest point i can imagine seeing a scene where whoever it is is looking out onto like a balcony just beneath the uh the weather bit and obviously a bit like a sterling castle essentially uh, okay yeah 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 so buildings these are all tall buildings but as it gets closer to the center is it that the land starts to rise or is it just the buildings get taller and taller towards the center oh the land starts to rise i think land starts they, to they, rise. They, they build somewhere where it's the least floodable i guess okay got yeah and this is, it feels like a sort of very arendelle sort of like on a, on a hill <laughs> no i yes. love it but, it but it is a perfect utopia mm-hmm. okay wonderful and we've already said that the the races of this settlement are very player's handbook mm-hmm. beginning few so dwarves elves humans and um gnomes gnomes and, yeah. and half orcs tieflings um they're rare but i think they can be a part of it as well we're going player's handbook that's fine yeah. and the, the general makeup of the city is it going to be human orientated um or is it going to be a real mix or one race over others Ooh, I think we've got we've done dwarves previously. I think we'll go for high elves. I think or high elves. elves. Yeah. Oh, so the magic users and the high elves are the ones with the longevity and with the with the magical intuition. Yes. Okay. So an elven run society. This is okay. This is awesome. I love this. This is fantastic. 
we're going to do now is okay. we we need a general theme to the campaign. It's a political campaign. We mm-hmm. know that the nations are in a, in a state of cold war yep. and that a war could kick off at any time. So what would you like the general feel of the campaign to go? Would you like to keep it incredibly open and let the players decide what the campaign does? Mm-hmm. Or would you like to have a general theme of, of like a story event that's going to dictate what happens? I think there's going to have to be one big story event where I, in my head the leaders of the nations come together for something like a conference, like a, you know, like, um, uh, what they call it, like a, a peace uh, document, like to, to go over these issues and something happens there as a result. So there's always that something that's going to, there is something to work towards, I guess. But... There's ignition point. Yes, okay. I think so. Yeah. So a conference. Okay. So, so something will go wrong and is the objective of the story that all of the nations will go to war or will they just be pushed towards war and it'll be for characters to decide whether or not they do go to war or not? Yeah. Uh, the characters will pu- uh, will decide whether or not they push it towards war or if, it, if that happens, who they align themselves with. Okay, wonderful. And okay. what would you like level 20 characters in this campaign to have achieved? Would you like them to have made their way to be controlling things or to be landowners or just incredibly wealthy or to have destroyed an entire kingdom? Like what? Or leave it open. I think because we sort of mentioned that this the, the leader of uh, Agateborough is a mind flayer in disguise, I think realising that they have to, to save their home nation, they have to destroy it in some way. So toppling at least one nation to stop it. Because I, 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 in my head, again, just I, I see that this is more of an aggressive nation, even though it's all like lovely and pretty, like utopia, but they're willing to, to act, I guess. Yeah, noticing that there's a, another agenda there, almost like Game of Thrones, like I think it's up to them whether or not they topple it or not to save their own homes. Okay, wonderful. That's really, really good. Okay, so we're, we're thinking about the first session now. We've got them all involved. Um, what sort of first session uh, atmosphere or, or, or sort of plot points have brought the characters together? So we know that they're all citizens of Agateborough mm-hmm. um, and, and they're sort of from the area. Do they all know each other or are you going to leave that open or say that they don't know each other? Let's go for opposites of what we did before. I think they don't know each other. They've done their own little things and then this is the first point they would meet together. Okay. Have they been summoned together or have they all answered the same call for work? Maybe they're looking for some sort of mercenary work mm. um, or, or maybe they've all been individually selected by some sort of patron for a task of some sort? This is, again, the way this, this nation works is filing paperwork or something like they've applied for um, whatever it is and then they've been hand-selected to be a group to help with something. Um, so they've been picked together through their application process in Agateborough. Okay, and what would you like their first job to be? Are they exploring somewhere, leaving the city, or are they meeting people and diplomatically doing something to get them used to the politics aspect of it? Or would you like them to be doing some combat within the city, ratting out some sort of like infestation or something that would would be needing to be looked at? I, I like the political element of it because I think if people aren't on board of it from the off, then they'll get bored and stuff, and then they'll, you know, it, it would accelerate things sooner. So I think something politically motivated, but I think I agree something within the city, whereby maybe there's talk about um, an uprising of some sort or, or a, a coup, and one of the branches of, of or one of the council members has asked them to go investigate certain areas and to deal with it as they see fit. 
That is a brilliant first idea. Fantastic. So, so uh, the party have been gathered together maybe because they is is less obvious. They're not officially mm. part of exactly. the ruling class, so they can go and sniff out. And, and is it one council member spying on another one who thinks there's some sort of uprising happening or some sort of corruption or infiltration, something like that? Some yeah. sort of... I'm picturing like Varus the spider and sending his little birds off to go like investigate, but then say, because you, you know, you're big people with weapons, do deal with it as you see fit. We will be paid extra uh, yeah. for your services. Perfect. So it's one council member trying to get basically an, um, a one-up on another council member. Exactly. By, are these, these accusations of unrest, are they true or are they false? Is, <laughs> is it just politics or is there actually something going on that could be investigated later? I think we should just keep it as politics because I think, okay. yeah, because I think everyone I has a little bit of dirt, including the person giving the class. Exactly. I want it to be, I think with the politics, it's what the players make of it. And so if, as soon as they decide something, it's like, well, it could have gone the other way and they could side with the other person. So if I want them to have that choice and so that every decision they make does have an impact on the, on the campaign in some way. I think it's nicer to have it like that. Wonderful. Now, the rest of the city, yes. it is pointless to try and go through putting in buildings and uh, names of things because the yes policy is going to be the most important thing here. Yeah. The city is huge. I mean, how many people do you want to put in it? Like 100,000, a million, 10 million? Like 10 million puts it about London size. Oh, a million puts it about sort of like Brussels size or Manchester size or, okay. or that sort of size of city. So was that a million, did you say? Or Yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah, let's go for a million then. Birmingham, yeah. Manchester, that sort of size. Okay, yeah. great. I'm probably way off on my populations here, but that, okay, know. so it, it, it's big. It's big enough for it to be, if you stood in the middle, the city's beyond what you can see, but it's yeah. not London huge in the no. sense that... No, 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 no. Okay, great. So you've got to have a think about a couple of districts or some ideas of districts of things that you would want um, in terms of themes of areas. So you've already decided there's a, there's a high central... Um, ruling bit with lots of tall buildings where all this weather comes from. What sort of other themes of districts do you want, like trading districts or slum districts or watery districts? Have you got any ideas? Oh, yeah. I think as with all these places, there probably is like a, a poorer district or, or some area in some point, but they all, I don't know, like, like the, the glass building, like they're still very pretty buildings, but like the people inside aren't happy. It's like, oh, I'm just thinking of that phrase, was it uh, don't throw rocks and glass houses i think it's the idea yeah. like the, the, it's very pretty and stuff but people are unhappy because they they don't have magic they're not getting up the process and they're not earning as much as a result okay so there there are there are areas of a city that are of, of lower importance yeah great yeah. um is there a merchant area or are the merchants scattered throughout the city or maybe they're scattered throughout and there is also merchants in a particular area uh, i think they're scattered throughout Scattered throughout. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. wonderful. Um, is there like a transport area or a military area or a keep of some kind or access to water? Yeah, I like the idea that there's like yeah, there's access to water. Maybe oh, like an aqueduct or something like that. Okay, oh, yeah, nice. big yeah. aqueduct coming through. Maybe that's where they get a lot of the water from into the city because there's mm -hmm. a lot of people here. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And and the sort of terrain around we, the city itself is based on on a hill. But are there mountains in the distance? Uh, is it very flat around it? Is it very hilly? Uh, let's go for very flat around it. Like very it, flat. Yeah. Okay. So it's the it's the thing you see for miles around. It is the thing that catches your eyes of the glinting of the of the glass buildings. So the way I would think about the world is you need to know a couple of key facts about there are lots of districts. You don't need to know how many districts there are, but you could you could say there are ten districts 
and have that in your in your head but you don't need to worry about naming them all now you can make them up as you go along based on what people ask for so they say oh is there a merchant district and you go yes you know what i would like one then you go right check that one off and one of them is the merchant district mm-hmm. um, i would say you probably need to know how many council members there are again you don't need to name them all you don't need to give any of them history but if you've got a number mm-hmm. you can start to introduce sort of things as you go along. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say as well, you want to have an idea about other cities in the same way as we did before that are yeah. within the connected distance of this city. Mm-hmm. But again, you don't need to necessarily flesh them out. You just need that one sentence description of sort of a, a key point that people might want to sort of get hooked on. Mm-hmm. And lists and, and, and tables are your friends. So we've already been going through the, the named tables in the Xanathar's Guide, the, the Appendix B. Mm-hmm. So you can use those for the clan names and for the surnames, and, and especially there's a lot of elven names in there. Yeah. I would recommend you use surnames and maybe like one council member has a surname that all of the rest of the family use, regardless of whether they're related to them, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You could do it like that, or maybe everybody has a different name, or maybe nobody has a last name and it gets mm-hmm. very confusing, or you know, you, you can do it sort of any way you want. And mm-hmm. I would also Google like a list of pub names or, or something like that, because you can always use those for sort of just dipping into when you need Mm. but if we have a think and i'm going to just again i'll ask you three questions to get you into the idea of building the city and and that sort of first campaign okay so if i were to say right in the first session you introduce quest and you say right this counselor is asking you to investigate a second and the party go out Mm -hmm. and say one of the party decides okay the best way that that's going to happen is if i if my character goes and investigates into the local seedy tavern where these sort of things are likely to happen, how would you go about sort of putting that into the campaign? Uh, putting it into the campaign. So define a sort of slums area. I think I would, maybe I'd ask them to sort of, you know, ask around. And depending on that information, I think I'd come up with like three pubs. But I think one of them, oh no, we'll say two of them are infiltrated with Almost, I, I like the idea that there is some sort of underground sort of uh, police militia in some way. Yeah. Um, so I think that if they get, if it's too low on the thing, they'll hear it of a pub, but it's going to be full of uh, militia. So who would report back to the council that there is um, new adventurers in town who are asking questions about councilmen, and it could be a bit of, a bit of trouble, I guess. Okay. Um, yeah. Brilliant. And you use the, the random name generator to pop those in and yeah. you can sort of flesh them out as you go through. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Um, the other place you could also look is whenever they go to a new place or a tavern or a building or anything like that. Again, the dungeon master's guide. Mm-hmm. If you have a look at pages two, nine, three onwards, there are lots of tables about filling in dungeons and different rooms and, and things like that and, and sort of putting traps in. But if you go to page 299, there are tables with general furnishings and appointments or sort of things that you can put into a place. So, for instance, you roll a 17 on this D100 and there's a cabinet in there. <laughs> you can use that table to mm. put something into each place the players go that is mm. the feature of that place. So say we roll the 70. Actually, no, let's do it. So we go into the pub and yep. roll a D100. Okay. Oh, we've got, oh God, it's just a two. A two. <laughs> it's it's an armchair. <laughs> an armchair. So how would Excellent. you put an armchair or armchairs into this pub to make it a distinctive and rememberable thing for the players? Ooh, okay. Um, I'm thinking back to uni days. Um, I'm thinking like 
my union bar was just full of horrible mismatching armchairs and stuff like and, and sofas and stuff so I think yeah. this whole tavern there are inappropriately large like there's there's no like a two-person uh, table or a four-person like booth in fact it's just armchairs and sofas and then there are the tiniest tables in between so it's <laughs> you have to you have to share it with someone else you always Perfect. have to you know you can't have your own private thing there's always going to be a couple more people because there's just so many of these things brilliant that, and, that's yeah. memorable and that's just from one one roll on there so there's loads of tables there there's also like you can like hazy and humid and clear with a mist covering the floor and that sort of thing like there are different effects you can have it in this place religious artifacts and utensils yeah. and books there's all kinds of random checklists for you to, to roll into okay that's really good so if i were to then say well my player decides that actually this council member asking about a second council member well i don't want to get involved in that direct politics i'm going to go and ask a third council member their opinion on it oh sure how would you okay. deal with that how would you go about um putting a third council member into the game oh okay so if ah so we talked about districts before right i think there's actually actually there's 11 districts so there's a center bit where the weather tower is etc yep. but i think each of the districts are ruled over by one council member oh. and the that council member all council members have basically a gp surgery <laughs> um oh. and they get questions asked and so i guess they can make an appointment and go and and, and just ask questions as if they were part of the the town essentially brilliant yeah. brilliant and you could use the naming lists to, to name people and you could that that's great you've you've got the hang of this right so we'll, we'll throw the last thing so let's say after a couple of sessions the characters have done a bit of digging they had a bit of success and one of the rewards of that is that they've all been given a lot of gold Yes. And one of them comes to you and says, I would like to buy a tome that increases my charisma by two points. Oh, really? <laughs> how would you do that? Like, what? how would you sort of think about whether the city could, could cater for that sort of thing? Okay, so this item I know is, a, is very, very rare. It's legendary. And so it would be quite hard to find thing to find anyway. But because magic is so commonplace and stuff, it's not impossible. So I think I would make sure that I like the idea that, oh, oh, okay. So there'll be various sort of, um, I think there would be like a main sort of uh, magic shop or company or whatever where you would okay. go to and make requests and say like, I want to, you know, find out more about this thing. And they might have outposts in the other districts. But yeah. because it's such a big item, they'll be like, oh, we need to just do a background check or anything like that because there's so much paperwork and stuff. But any information, if they're looking for an item that is that powerful, it's going to go straight up to the head of the council because that's okay. such an unusual purchase. So, yeah. Got yeah. There we go. It, it might take brilliant. a few days to get it. Or it might take a. It will be like, oh, it will take some time because of the paperwork. But I think because that's that's impacted instantly that they, they are now on the radar of this uh, mind player council member. Wonderful. So, there you go. You've built an entire world that people can like play around in. You can have a campaign from. Do you want to give us just a very brief outline of the world you've created and uh, and and what you think of it? Okay, so. What we know of this world is that there are limited divine presence or inter intervention. It's mostly mapped out. I think most of you, know, you would get a map of this easily, but it might be different interpretations from different nations. There is so much history to this place that it is very hard to remember, but it is a very political atmosphere 
anything you do is going to be influenced by or influences politics in some way. And the biggest thing that everyone has an access to magic, whether or not it, they are very, very powerful or not. Yeah. But we have these sort of four nations that are at the heart of this campaign. We have the First Nation, which is essentially um, a magical utopia. Everything looks pristine and beautiful, uh, led by one sort of leader surrounded by their own sort of cabinet. Uh, there's mysteriousness in that sort of sense, uh, but each council member or, or member of the cabinet has their own district to look after and stuff, and they're always piling off each other. And I think that's commonplace, yeah. uh, known for that. You've got three other uh, nations that are at political odds, I guess, with this nation. You've got the one that is very similar to them, that's just led by one ruler who is generally seen as a very positive force for good and does what they think is best, which seems to be in common with the people. But the way they get around things to get almost the same ends like they do different means to it and that's where they clash with this first nation then you also have the militaristic nation who sort of refuse to indulge this sort of magic nonsense like yeah everyone has access to it but what is more important for you know you if you're stabbed you're stabbed and if you're stabbed hard that's the end of you because there's this whole sort of undead thing where everyone in every nation is affected by whether or not there's a 50 50 percent chance that they're going to come back as undead and as soon as you're undead it is quite frightening uh and you are just instantly not exiled but you are drawn to this city state in between mm. the nations and then the final one is just <laughs> a bureaucratic administration thing who so just doesn't care about magic doesn't care about weaponry it's all about the books and the research and stuff and just thinking that the best way forward is through looking back and making sure we know as much as we can because that's the best way to advance yeah. yeah perfect that is a perfect foundation wow. for a campaign and again i look forward to playing in it that's great, that's great fun i can see <laughs> i could see you having running a political campaign this is oh, brilliant man. it sounds very stressful week on week to, to think of anything political <laughs> without just going to bbc news and just copy and pasting it no but it's all about not overthinking it and just keeping yeah. it vague and then filling in the blanks as you get there like it's otherwise you just we, we don't have like weeks upon weeks to build in everything and see so you know what all the people are called you can kind of make it up as you go along mm. oh no brilliant wonderful oh. well there we go i'm glad you enjoyed yeah that was that was fun <laughs> do it again <laughs> no i was really really fun actually and yet as you said it's such a simple process of just and I, I i certainly felt it was much easier um i know obviously for you you're just asking questions but i found it much easier to bounce off ideas and i'm thinking like like you said something i think is very very silly and like oh no it's not original at all you are very excited about so actually that's quite a nice process and so maybe yeah. having someone who isn't necessarily going to be playing in the campaign but actually having someone to to bounce ideas off is actually very very useful for any writing really so no absolutely these things are very easy to do in pairs i think um yeah. to get two dms get together and bounce ideas off each other's like campaigns and you'll be amazed at what you can come up with so ryan i know we had a lot about creating stuff and and being sort of like oh w what worlds can we get would you like to know what i've got planned for my two-part <laughs> Oh, another right two-parter. Yeah, go for it. What okay. have you got planned? It's not as exciting as I just put it, but I was thinking to myself, okay, what can I do to bounce off this? Like, you know, you're creating your own worlds and stuff like that. And actually, we actually covered it a little bit, actually talking about religions and gods in the world. And I thought to myself, like, okay, I actually don't know much about having religions in worlds or having stuff and i know there is obviously like you said is it dawnforge is the the main sort of pantheon of uh dnd uh, forgotten realms uh, yeah. religions i thought sod that <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, you can do that where you can create your own website. I want to, I actually want to get into a, a proper meaty system that has a lot of information about gods and stuff and that, uh, that can really influence a campaign. So again, I know we're going away from sort of what we've created, but I'm like, what is a campaign or a module or anything like that that's full of gods which influence how you do quests? And it turns out, Ryan, they've just released this book. <laughs> so we're going to be looking at Mythic Odysseys of Theros because there's a whole section on the different sort of Greek-inspired gods, uh, what's it called, gods of Theros, where basically there is about 10 plus gods your character has to be uh, a part of and they're influenced by in the whole campaign. So that is what we will be looking at. That is cool. There you go. That's a totally different take on what we were just talking about. So that's wonderful. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, there we go. Well, what are you getting up to in the meantime? Maybe where can we find you? Well, when I'm not creating political disasters in my own head, I am... (laughs) (laughs) My name's Fiona and I am a disaster. I run the What Am I Rolling podcast, which is a twice monthly RPG one shot podcast. As always, it's going very well. We've got the run up to Christmas. Uh, I am doing one shots. By the time this comes out, it'll already have been passed, but I'm doing um, Jason Statham's Big Vacation live online for a group of improvisers who I think have never played D&D or any RPGs at all. So that'll be Oh, wow. That'd be fun. That'll be fun. And it's going to be done in an hour. So... Let's, let's talk about streamlining at some point when you come to your campus. But yes, that's what I'm up to. Uh, Ryan, is there anything you'd like to plug or what are you up to these days? Oh, well, you can always find me on Discord if you want to come and say hi. I've got the Ursa Ryan Discord, of which I have my YouTube channel, Ursa Ryan, if you want to come and see me do things on computer games. But yeah, come and chat about D&D. It's always good to hear yes. from people. And uh, yeah, it's always good fun. I want to hear about all your words you've made. Yes, definitely. Please, please write in or email in or tweet me and then be like, I've made this world. And I go, that's much cooler than, than ours. <laughs> Damn. No, no, no. Your world, you've made two incredible worlds over the course of the last three sessions. It's Ooh. brilliant. And it literally took, like, I was chatting it through. If you sat down and did it by yourself, you could have made all of that in about half an hour, probably, Maybe. both sessions. Mm. Easy. <laughs> Give it a go. Easy. Try it at home. Yeah. This is something you can do at home for sure. Exactly. And here's one I made earlier. Here's one that I made. Here's a world I made earlier. Great. (laughs) Well, until next time, friends, uh, thank you for listening and we will hear from you. We will talk to you. We'll do something with you next time. (laughs) See you later. Bye.